If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. This time around, we've added a video component to the podcast, so you can actually get a chance to see what I look like. But more importantly, to record this for training purposes, because today we're talking about peer support here at Nemours. And joining me is a founder of the Peer Support Program, Dr. Lauren Berman. Dr. Berman is a pediatric surgeon at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. Dr. Berman, welcome and thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Give me the 20,000 foot overview of the peer support program here at Nemours. It's relatively new. Yes, so it has been up and running for a little over a year. Um, I think really the impetus for getting it off the ground officially was um, the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of the stress that people were under uh, related to COVID and how it was affecting everyone's lives. So the seeds had been planted, but it really fully came to fruition at that time. Um, And really the the point is that as healthcare workers, We all face a lot of stress, um, you know, when our patients don't do well, or especially if we make a mistake that leads to our patients not doing well. And then there's stress that like anyone faces, but I think our jobs are very demanding. And the idea of peer support is that we, even without formal training in psychology, have a lot to offer each other. And I think we, we live a shared reality so that by opening up to each other and providing each other with support and kind of creating a culture where that is encouraged rather than kind of hiding things under the rug and pretending everything's okay. Um, You know, I think in medicine, we're very trained to always put up a strong front and never kind of show any vulnerability. And I think peer support really is a vehicle for culture change to really let everyone know that it's okay not to be okay and that we can really effectively support each other through stress. Um, And the program provides some infrastructure for that process. And that's really important to emphasize is that it's okay to not be okay. In fact, I'm guessing you have a personal story to tell and it might be centered on not being okay. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. So, yeah, the the whole way I kind of came around to peer support really had to do with, uh, I think many clinicians have many stories of of how they have suffered when their patients don't do well. And I had one particularly challenging experience when I was a pediatric surgery fellow. Um, And it had to do with there was a patient having an operation and I made a mistake during the operation and it led to that patient really getting hurt. And at the time, it was extremely uh, traumatic, obviously very much so for the patient who ended up making a full recovery. But um, I really doubted myself. I felt like I shouldn't be in surgery. I 
never really talked to anyone about it other than kind of the formal venues for adverse event review. You know, we have morbidity and mortality conference and we kind of relive the event over and over in these kind of clinical areas. And there was never a time where I thought to ask for help or to just talk to anyone about it and tell them how I was feeling. And I think it really plagued me for years. I remember one time we were going on like a seven hour car ride and I, I could not get it out of my head the entire time. It was just perseverating and I couldn't sleep. And so I, I kind of like struggled my way through it and, you know, finished fellowship, became a surgeon. And then many years later, I was at the American Academy of Pediatric Surgery or the American Academy of Pediatrics, the surgery section and the, and the chair of the surgery section was giving his chairman's address. And he talked about this thing called second victim syndrome. I had never heard that name. Um, and basically what it is, is, is this syndrome where clinicians, when they experience an adverse event of a patient, become the second victim. So they have a lot of suffering as a result of that experience. And it can be very hard to recover from. And he talked about this concept of peer support and talked about a program that he had uh, started at his organization. And that was incredibly eye-opening. It made me realize like, oh, maybe it's not that something's wrong with me. It's that, you know, this is a thing that people suffer from, but it's just so not part of many uh, culture and medicine to, to talk about it. So I think I mentioned before, but I really do see peer support as a vehicle for culture change. And I, I think having a name to call it second victim syndrome, it normalizes it. And now I'm much more able to recognize it in myself and in others. And I think peer support is absolutely critical to helping people recover and continue to be active contributing members of, of our team. So uh, it, the peer support program here has been really incredibly uh, rewarding for me to be a part of. Talk about what's meant by peer in this case. This, these are folks that are fellow surgeons in your case, or if it was me, it would be somebody from the marketing department. It's truly peer-to-peer. Talk about that. Yeah, I think that the really critical aspect is the, the type of support you can get from someone who has walked in those shoes is very different, right? I mean, I can try to talk to a friend or even a spouse. And if they've never been in that situation where, you know, they've been doing a procedure and because of a mistake they made with their own hands, someone is hurt. It's hard to really understand what that feels like. And if I sit down with a mentor or a a colleague who's also a surgeon, who's actually been there, they can say to me, you know, Lauren, I've been there. This is normal that you're feeling that way and it will get better. (laughs) And you are a good surgeon and this happens. And to hear from someone who's actually experienced it just has a different level of an impact. So I think that's really the, the being a peer, you know, it, it, why the peer-to-peer support is, is so effective. And this is part of what we talk about a lot on the podcast, self-care, working with others to really get your mind around the stress that is happening in the workplace or perhaps out in the in the real world. Talk about the importance generally of self-care itself. I think I started to mention before, um, we're very much trained in medicine to like have ourselves be the last priority. It's very common, you know, especially in surgery, you might be in a 12 hour case and you don't scrub out once to use the bathroom or to have a drink <laughs> and that's just normal. So it's kind of this culture and you're almost proud of the fact that you, your body can do that. And you're kind of trained to ignore the normal signs of distress, like, you know, the, the basic biological needs. And I think even more so for kind of the emotional needs. So I think that that culture is changing. I think 
things are very different now in a good way. And I think by no means am I an expert in self-care or a role model all the time, but I am proud of Nemours because I think it's come more to the forefront of the focus of the organization. Uh, we now have a chief wellness officer in Mo Leffler, and um, I'm really excited about that and, and impressed with the work that she is leading. Um, and, I, and I think it's the, the culture is changing uh, here and I think in general in medicine. How much did the impact of the pandemic influence the launch of the program and what benefits have come from the program as a result, especially during the pandemic? I think this has been a really unprecedented challenge. Obviously, for us both at work and at home, it just turned everyone's lives upside down. And I think in in some ways, we're all peers in that sense, because we've all been living through it. It's affected us in different ways. But I think a lot of the referrals that had come in in the early days of the program were kind of COVID-related stress. And I think that really helped us get up and running quickly because there's such a demand for it. Um, I think there's a lot of stigma about peer support. And sometimes, you know, what I said before, like I didn't think to ask for help. I didn't think to try to talk to anyone. I just kind of dealt with it. And I thought maybe like something was wrong with me and I was overreacting. But I think that that can be a stumbling block maybe for some programs because you can put up a great program and then nobody comes knocking on your door. Um, so I think like that we were all sharing in this kind of pandemic related stress there that may, maybe removed some of the stigma. And I think it also helped us start to make a name for ourselves and encourage people to be more comfortable with the concept of kind of a non-self-initiated referral. So if you're worried about a colleague or a friend or you were part of a, an adverse outcome in the hospital, you can refer someone to the program. Um, and then we reach out to them kind of in an open-ended way. Like, you know, we reach out to people after adverse events and we heard that you were involved in one and would you like to talk? And there, we do get a lot of uptake from that as well as the sort of self-initiated. But I definitely think the pandemic just, it just create it, it helped us demonstrate that there was such a clear need that it really helped get things off the ground. Somebody who's a peer in the program, they usually, and I'm guessing, don't have training, they might, but generally speaking, in the mental health field. What kind of training do they get to be peers in this program? So I should mention Holly Antel um, is our, our program leader, and then uh, Karen Wolhater is in charge of all the training. They are both psychologists full-time who work for Nemours, um, and they have done an incredible job getting things up and running and designing the training. So if you are going to become a peer supporter, you go through, it's about a three-hour training session that includes, first of all, a lot of background information on, you know, what is peer support? Why is it necessary? How does it help? Um, and then a lot of the kind of practical steps of here's what you need to accomplish during the peer support encounter. And it kind of breaks it down into stages and gives some scripts. We have a video that we play of a simulated peer support encounter that helps people kind of understand a real life example. And then we spend 40 minutes in breakout sessions where you are paired up with someone and you practice being the peer supporter and then you practice being the peer supportee and then you actually get feedback. So I think that breakout session is really helpful in, in kind of doing that role play um, to help you feel more prepared. In terms of peers being with somebody else and you come to the realization that maybe I'm in a little over my head here and perhaps this person does need a referral for mental health, behavioral health, addiction, um, relief services. What do you say? How do you do, how do you 
introduce that idea to the person you're working with? Do you, or what do you do? I think it's oh, a part of the anatomy of the peer support encounter is talking about what other resources, what other resources are available at Nemours. So kind of as a matter of routine, we bring up resources for living and there is, uh, you know, mental health support available through our benefits. Um, so that's kind of a routine part of the encounter. If you had a really particular concern and you were worried that that person might really be in danger of harming themselves and may not seek support, we can provide guidance, sort of a, the program leadership can provide guidance as to how to connect that person with resources that they need. But that's a really important part of the encounter, just because not everybody knows what we are eligible for as part of our benefits. And we all, we all have access to these resources. So we want to spread the word about that. And not everybody needs that, but I think it's a really useful thing to, to be aware of. And burnout is a really big issue, especially now because of the pandemic. How does peer support address that? I mean, I think burnout is really obviously very complex and multifaceted. And I think one of the ways I break it down in my mind is like kind of the things that fill your tank and the things that empty your tank and having the right balance. So you're you're on the positive side. Um, and I think when we experience, uh, you know, an adverse outcome and one of our patients experiences an adverse outcome, that is a major tank drainer. And I feel like peer support is a way to, to refill it because it can restore your confidence in yourself. It can, it helps you realize that what you're going through is completely normal. Um, there's a lot of literature um, that has, there are studies that have been done about this kind of interviewing clinicians, mapping out the stages of recovery, describing who is more at risk and even showing how peer support can help um, kind of shunt people from being in that kind of category after an event where they're just barely getting by and they're surviving, but they're really struggling or even, you know, dropping out to the thriving category where they learn from the event and it almost like it makes them stronger and better after they come out on the other end. I'm curious, you keep mentioning the term adverse event. I'm not sure all of our listeners know what that is. The clinician, the non-clinicians among us might not know what that is. Can you define that for us? I think it, it, you know, it, it could be a complication that your patient experiences. It, it could be related to, you know, somebody ordered the wrong medication and now they got the wrong medication and they were hurt by that, or it could be, you know, a surgical mishap. Um, and I think it can happen as a result of, you know, an error someone makes, or it could just happen because your patient's really sick. Right. And I think that really wears down on on clinicians, especially those of us who might take care of really sick patients who may not survive or really long, difficult hospital courses. So, you know, an adverse event is really anything bad that happens to one of our patients. Um, And I think when you look at the research that's been done about second victim syndrome, some of the risk factors for developing second victim syndrome, because you could have, you could be a clinician taking care of a patient and they could have an adverse event or a complication and they wouldn't necessarily develop second victim syndrome. Not everybody does in every time, but the risk factors for developing it include people who take care of children, people who have particularly close relationships with families so they're working in a children's hospital, I think, in general, makes you in a high risk category. Um, so I think it's all the more important for us to, to be aware of it and be able to support each other and to normalize it. And one major point of this peer support program here at Nemours is that it is for clinicians and non-clinicians as well. Talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, anyone who works in a hospital, whether it's in marketing or in the operating room or in environmental services, we are all exposed to the stress related to healthcare. Um, so I think we all face our own challenges. And, and I think anyone who's listening to this can probably relate to it on some level, regardless of whether they're involved in direct patient care or administration or what have you, because the decisions you make affect people's lives every day and you carry a lot of stress. Um, so yes, this program is absolutely available to any NMORS associate. It does not, it's not limited to clinicians. And you have peers in the program that are non-clinicians, I presume. We do. We do. And that's, those are some areas that we're working to build a little bit more diversity in roles. Um, I think the kind of traditional nature of peer support is I think more with clinicians in mind, but we absolutely feel that there is an important role for clinicians and non-clinicians. So we're, we're working on building. What do you look for in a peer? So a great question. I think in general, it should be someone who people feel comfortable talking to. I think some of the most effective peer-to-peer -peer support encounters ha happen between colleagues who work together, and not everybody would feel comfortable opening up to and being vulnerable to one of their colleagues. So it's that colleague in the group that you feel will be non-judgmental and will be supportive and that you can really be honest and open and vulnerable with. Um, we ask people to volunteer. We also ask leaders to suggest people who they think would be good from their clinical areas because the leaders tend to have a lot of insight into who that kind of go-to person would be. So yeah, it, it not, it's, it's not right for everyone. You talked about this program being something of a vehicle for cultural change here at Nemours. What would you like to see come from this program in terms of culture? I would love to eventually have a, a trained official peer supporter embedded in pretty much every clinical area and in enough non-clinical areas to, to provide broad representation so that it just kind of becomes normal um, when there is a challenge that comes up and when someone's struggling that we reach out to each other. I, I always say that you know, the number of informal peer support encounters I have way outnumbers the formal ones that I conduct through the program. You know, because we all see this every day, you know, we, we all take care of patients and we would never just stand by and watch a patient suffer. So why would we stand by and, and watch one of our colleagues or, or a clinician suffer? And I, and I think that's always, that's not how medicine has been traditionally. So I, I would love to see a culture where we are just very comfortable both asking for help and offering help. And I, I think we're getting there. What ultimately happened? How did you finally come to terms with that case from so long ago where you made that mistake? And did you have a peer who came forward and helped you? Or are you going to kind of use, do you use that experience as sort of, you know what, I learned from this, didn't necessarily have support, but I'm now supporting others? Yeah, I think I, a, a huge amount of healing happened for me just when I heard that presidential address where the whole idea of second victim center was introduced. And I realized that what I had gone through was not that there was something wrong with me, but it was just like, this is what happens to people who are in this situation sometimes. And it's very normal. And just knowing that it was normal made me feel a lot better about it and, and really made me feel empowered to say like, and, and I've had several other experiences since then where I've uh, I think been able to cope better and realize that I should reach out and talk to people. And, and in turn, I've also, you know, reached out to others around me when I see it happening. So I think all of that is continues to be part of the healing. 
but yeah, no, I think, I think it, there was something that never quite was right until I heard about it on that day. Um, and that was kind of able to where I was sort of finally able to get closure on it years later. Dr. Lauren Berman is a pediatric surgeon at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. Need more information on peer support here at Nemours? Are you in need of the services they provide? Are you interested in training to become a peer? Email peersupport at Nemours.org. That's peersupport, P-E-E-R-S-U-P-P-O-R-T at Nemours.org. Dr. Berman has also offered to field any questions you might have about the program. Her email is lauren.berman at Nemours.org. That's L-O-R-E-N dot B-E-R-M-A-N at Nemours.org. Many thanks to Dr. Berman for sharing her personal story regarding peer support. Let's hear your Nemours story next. Simply email us at podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. And you don't even have to leave your home or home office or your office. We record the podcast remotely wherever you and I may be. The Champions for Children podcast is available on Nemours Net and the Nemours Now app. It's also available on your favorite podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and the like. Or tell your smart speaker to play the Champions for Children podcast. Kudos to our production team, as always, Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin. Many thanks to you. On behalf of Lauren Berman, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. And please, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.